All right, everybody. Chat for God podcast, the best podcast about God. Maybe. I mean, I haven't listened to all of them, so I can't really say I can't really judge. I don't want to judge. and I'm not throwing shade on my on my on my other Christian brothers and sisters, but it's, in my opinion, the best podcast about God. Chat for God podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Shouldn't be too hard to find. You can just search for it. We're on all the major platforms. But thank you for hanging out with us once again. Uh, Marin, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Excellent. We a, Excellent. A big evening. Yes, a big evening we had last night. So, folks, for those of you who didn't catch it, we did an experiment where we held, we, we hosted a chat for God on Clubhouse, this new drop-in audio chat app that is very buzzy. And it, it's really quite a cool interface for those of you who haven't been on there. You know, it's basically just audio chat rooms where you pop in and pop out. And it's pretty cool, honestly. So we decided to host a chat for God hangout and just see what happens because Marin actually uh, being the mega influencer that she is has uh, yes. literally, she has literally a million followers on clubhouse. So we were like, huh, maybe we should do something on clubhouse. Yeah. And a ton of people came out. It was like, there's like about a thousand people more or less on average the whole time. And it was pretty fire. It was really interesting stuff. Some, you know, there were some fiery conservative Christians who hopped on. There were also some more liberal and chill people and, it was quite diverse and interesting. And our friend Nicole Williams came out. A few other people came out. Jacob, who some of you might know from my podcast, uh, came out. It was pretty, pretty eclectic and interesting. What, what was your take on it, Marin? I mean, I was excited to have a purpose for my weird number of Clubhouse <laughs> followers. <laughs> uh, that feels that feels really good to good to me. I thought it was awesome. I love I love talking about God. I think. I think that there are very few spaces, especially on buzzy apps like Clubhouse, in which you just troll, like you troll around this app. You have to imagine that there's a lot of stuff that's super grifty, you know? And I love Justin Kahn, so no shade, but Justin Kahn is on there every night, like giving people, you know, $1,000 or whatever to like, I don't know, game show style. And then oh, other, really? you know, VCs will, will hop in being like, pitch us your business. Um, and so I thought it was really awesome to, amongst all of that kind of scrolling, find something that to me is both deeply universal and really inclusive and challenging. Um, it was great. Yeah. So we both liked it and it was definitely big. So that's always exciting. And we think we are going to do it again. So stay tuned for that. If you're listening to this podcast, either on YouTube or if you listen on your phone, when I post to the audio feed, either way, if you're a fan of the show and you don't have an invitation to uh, Clubhouse, just hit me up. You can DM me on Twitter or uh, send me an email and we'll give you an invitation if you want to join the, the Chat for God Clubhouse Hangouts. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do another for sure. And yeah, so another bit of news, folks. Um, is that if you recall when Marin came on the podcast with me uh, a few weeks ago when we tried, you know, co-hosting this podcast together and resuscitating it from a few weeks of hiatus when I wasn't posting, and I thought I had retired the show, but Marin came to the rescue and helped me resuscitate it. We agreed to just do a kind of pilot run of about five episodes, just see how we feel, see if we like it, see if it's something we both feel like continuing. And I'm proud to say that we've crossed the threshold. We've we've done five test episodes. And so I'm a little nervous to ask. I'm going to do this live. But, you know, Marin, <laughs> what do you think? Hit, hit me. How do you feel? Is this something you want to continue? Or is this something, uh, you know, maybe it's not worth your time or energy? What do you think? 
It's it's something I really want to continue. And it's funny because I had a great feeling about it from the beginning, just in my in my body, you know, I felt I felt enthusiastic at the prospect of being able to put God and my relationship with God and my uncertainties and questions and earnestnesses in the center of things. And that has been so rewarding for me to get to have that space. So I know it's still very early days and we're finding, finding our grooves, but it's just, it's just given me a lot personally. And I feel myself sort of learning. Uh, I don't, I don't presume to be a good teacher, but maybe, maybe only, only a good teacher in so far as I can like show people how, how desperate the quest is. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm really glad you feel that way. That's, that's delightful and, and inspiring and encouraging. So I'm definitely game to keep going. Funny enough, I w- just kind of last night and this morning, actually somewhat inspired by the clubhouse chat that we did that had like a thousand people in it. I was kind of, I kind of woke up feeling this morning, like a little, a little upset with myself in a way. Mm-hmm. I find it very difficult to do a podcast that is dedicated to God and do that in a way that feels just a hundred percent, uh, adequate and and correctly proportioned specifically because growing a podcast or doing any kind of purposeful kind of cultural project always requires a certain amount of you know clout chasing and uh, instrumental rationality of one of one kind or another right you're building systems and you're trying to make them grow and and you're trying to make them succeed and in that drive which is essentially the drive for power in more in one way or another they're just like all of these kind of temptations and sins. And it, it just often feels like, well, we are actually, we were talking about this in the clubhouse last night, right? Like, you, you know, you can't have two masters. You, you can't have God as one master and material wealth and power as another master. You, you really can't have two masters. It doesn't work like that. And yet, if you're trying to like create a podcast and make it succeed, no matter how Christ-like you are, if you're, if you're trying to make it to succeed, you have to do all these like little things that are very oriented around uh, accruing power. And, and the, it, it, I do find it quite jarring, like honestly jarring, like this more, like with clubhouse, for instance, it was really cool. But one of the reasons it was really cool. One of the, when I'm being honest with myself, one of the reasons it was really exciting is just because there were so many people in there. And that's essentially me getting off on like the power dimension mm-hmm. and the clout dimension. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we're having these very fascinating and deep conversations with different people in the clubhouse chat last night about, you know, God, we were chatting for God with other people and it was awesome. And my sick and twisted, sinful fallen mind is just like constantly checking how many people are in the room because I'm excited by like, Oh, there's a thousand point two people. There's what thousand point three people. And that's twisted. It's sick. It's sick and twisted kind of. And I don't have a solution for that. I've never, I never have other than I mean, kind of the idea baked into the, the hypothesis baked into this podcast, the whole the whole phrase chat for God is trying to evoke one possible solution, which is you just try to make it not so serious and you you be self-deprecating about it as like, you know, this is not called like teaching people God. It's not called, you know, being a holy person. It's not called, you know, uh, how to be like Christ. It's just called chat for God because I'm not. I, I don't feel capable of promising anything other than chatting and 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 vaguely like doing my best to make it about God. But anyway, I, I always have these anxieties and and feelings of guilt when I'm like trying to make something succeed, but I'm also 
calling it something about God. Like, I think that's what makes it feel skeevy to me sometimes. And, and I don't know how to do it any better. I try to do it as like, honestly, and, and, and as Christ-like as possible, mm-hmm. but this is something I've just never been able to fully solve, um, feeling kind of, you know, skeevy about promoting something that's supposed to be dedicated to God, because those two things I think are on some level intrinsically opposed, but how do you, how do you think about that? And maybe you can help me uh, solve this, this inner, this inner tension that I always feel. Well, I think, I think that's probably a permanent state of things, that inner tension about who, you know, what master you're serving yourself and your, your ego, or whether you're really trying to make yourself big or small. I feel like that's a really important, just physiologically, like, do you feel like you're really pursuing that sense of elation and bigness and kind of power? Or in the space, are you experiencing some amount of humility and smallness? I really think that's, I really think that's a good way to check in. That's a nice, that's a nice heuristic. I really like that actually. So in the clubhouse chat last night, were, do you think you and I were small enough? I, I actually got feedback that we did not speak enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I feel like that's, but that, but isn't that good according to you that we're being small? I think, I think so. And I think, I think that figuring out whether you're doing something out of the greed or effort to control it and to determine it and to be the thing which says whether it is worthy or not versus the humility of just creating space for people and giving it to God, letting go, letting go of it at some level. And that doesn't mean you're not learning, right? I think there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot that's just so important about communion with other people. People talk about the legitimacy of speaking in tongues, et cetera, based on whether someone else has been sent there to be able to interpret the word of God in that. And yeah, I think some of, I think some of this, some of the humility of this exercise is probably about letting other people tell us whether or not they are bringing something Christ-like to them, like in Mm. letting them have space to experience that for, for themselves. But I think it's it's a great thing to, I mean, it's a great, great, great thing to ask. And I'm so appreciative that you've brought it into the space. And I think, I think it's a good thing to have here to the degree that we can and to share. So do you think we should start speaking in tongues on Clubhouse? <laughs> I've I've personally never <laughs> spoken in tongues. I have I have had emotional breakdowns though, in which I definitely experienced God very powerfully. Wow. Um, and I probably screamed. <laughs> wow. I don't know that it was the same. <laughs> Do you know anything about how that works, the speaking in tongues? Very little. I don't know why we got rid you know, people seem to have gotten rid of that. They were like, you know, not for us. Did they get rid of that though? I, I think people still do that. People do it. People do it. It's a very, maybe this makes sense. It seems like a very congregation by congregation thing. And the heuristic again is meant to be that there's an interpreter. So it's sort of ga- a game theory problem. <laughs> I wonder if there are on Clubhouse, like Pentecostal preachers who do speaking in tongues on Clubhouse. I I would not be surprised if there's someone some, somewhere doing it. Some Someone's going to get on it at some point or another. It could be us. <laughs> Well, you know what? Honestly, I mean, it's I, really healthy and humbling to just go like try to babble on Clubhouse. Just like guys are trying. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. This hang up that I have that I kind of started the show off with about mm-hmm. you know pr- being self promotional uh, versus being holy and and the contradiction there. There is a wholly different solution to this, which is the solution that the 
you know, the itinerant preacher kind of comes to, right? The, the, mm -hmm. There is a completely different. So chat for God is one solution, right? Where we self-deprecate and make the mission extremely humble as a way of, of solving that problem. But there's a totally opposite solution, which is you go all in on the self-promotional aspect and you just, you just believe deeply that the self-promotion is 100% aligned with God. And then you, you, you can do extreme self-promotion to an extreme degree and mm -hmm. feel consistent about it. I mean, I suspect that this is with the case for, you know, the, the, the stereotype or the archetype of the kind of itinerant preacher who, you know, builds a charismatic church in the middle of North Carolina or whatever, as well as the Joel Osteen types, right? That this has to be how they think about it, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, like I'm going to build a brand around myself. I'm going to build a church around myself and I'm going to use my love for myself and my, my kind of egoism and narcissism and my charismatic energy, mm -hmm. my ego, I'm going to put the pedal to the metal on that but I'm going to do it all for the greater mm. glory of God and for the people around me to bring mm. them up. And I'm just going to trust that my ego and my, my kind of drive to speak and be famous and be influential is I'm just, I'm just going to trust that it's, it's, it's laser focused on God and that's where it's going to go. That is another solution. And it's an interesting solution. Uh, I don't know if I have that in me though. What do you think? Do those people self-awarely acknowledge that they're being driven by their egos it's a good question. I don't know. I, I'd love to. I'd love to learn, but I do think that that's on some level they have to have an awareness that of this. I would think. What do you think? So I ha one of the more impactful conversations I've ever had in my life was a seven-hour <laughs> hangout with the pastor of my church growing up because I wanted to talk to him about spiritual leadership because it just felt so presumptuous to me. I didn't know how I would possibly wear it. Feels like the biggest thing that you could suggest to other people that you could hold their faiths for them in some mm -hmm. way that would bring them closer to God. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> uh, and I think, I do think that you need to work a lot on your own relationship with God in order to feel able to truthfully help hold other people's. And I think in my life, and I'm not sure if this is consistent with your experience, but in my life, spiritual conversations or conversations about God have oftentimes been the only forum in which I've been able to talk to people about their emotions or their shame or their struggle. And that's so much of what I think is really beautiful about Christianity and religion and religious communion is that there are a lot of things that are just incredibly hard to hold outside of those spaces. And so I don't have a perfect idea of the version of spiritual leadership that either of us are called to. And I do think some people are. I, I wouldn't presume that we either of us are at all. Like I don't I don't know that we've even ever spoken about whether what our what our like notions of that might be. I do yeah. know though that I have a deep, deep respect for being able to create space that gives people an opportunity to come closer to God themselves. I also wonder if there's anything like Protestant versus Catholic in this. Because for me, people's relationships with God are very personal. Like there's not, there's not really the same like cult-like figure or ritual in Protestant 
forums, right? I was raised in a Bible church. And so you were meant to sit down and read the Bible and interpret the word and look at the Greek. You know? yeah, but don't, don't Bible churches like that usually have a pretty clear kind of patriarchal figure? I should, I should study that more. It didn't feel in your experience that way. Though, no? It didn't feel that way. I think there are much more charisma oriented churches. This was really the, the church I was raised in was not was not a kind of charismatic, not that Andy isn't charismatic, he's he's marvelous and lovely, but he's incredibly self-deprecating, like tremendously so. He's very open. He's very, he's very genuinely kind of humble. And I think like where's where's his spiritual leadership without a lot of um presumption about it, or at least it feels that way. And I think some of what makes that possible in the Bible church context is that it's not like you're the Pope, right? You're not, you're not knowingly the person that everybody is transferring onto about like the, the nature of their relationship with God, right? You're not like the conduit to God as, in human form. That's not possible for a human to be. So I think maybe some of my more default and the other thing, and we, we've spoken about this briefly, but the other thing is for me, I thankfully um, I, you know, this is my only podcast. <laughs> I'm not like comparing, comparing it to other things. So this, this forum feels uniquely sacred at some level. And I just don't presume to be able to do all that much. I think there is something about creating space. And I am very emphatic about like, to the degree that it's possible to, to create space for people that that's awesome. But I don't, I don't believe in my ability to like, actually personally plant something in someone or et cetera. Um, and I think that takes a lot of that egoism off for me. Yeah. You make a good point that some people genuinely feel called to do what you, what you call spiritual leadership. And I definitely don't feel like a leader of anything when it comes to, to, to spiritual stuff, but <laughs> I guess I do kind of feel in some slight way. And that maybe this is what I haven't really worked out yet. I do feel called to kind of speak the truth uh, of God in some mm. limited way, because I do think it's true. And I do think that like a lot of my secular atheist friends are, are like kind of dumb and like fucking up their lives in certain ways that like, mm -hmm. I do kind of want to communicate to them. And I do feel kind of called in that way, but that's one of the motivations behind the chat for God podcast for me is, you know, I, I do think Christianity is true. And I do think that people who don't think it's true are often like dumb about certain things. And I do want to kind of, you know, make fun of them in a loving way and uh, try to communicate why they're being dumb and why uh, Christianity is sweet and cool and smart and good. But it's not like a, you know, I'm not, I think this is where my contradiction comes in and where I, where I find myself somewhat hung up on, on, you know, really, really solidifying my relationship to this podcast and, and, and solidifying my identity and my, my larger projects in, in relation to it is mm -hmm. that in some way I do feel called and that's why I'm doing this podcast. But on the other hand, I just don't like any of the current mental models people have for what like a a, a, a Christian leader looks like. Like I don't, I don't, I reject all of the currently available kind of examples of that. Uh, not to throw shade on preachers or pastors or priests or anything like that. That's all all fine and good. But that's not. The, I, I think there is, there does need to be a kind of cultural Christian public mm. project or leadership that looks very, very different than everything currently existing. And in my view, this is where things get kind of dicey or hard to hard to negotiate with other people is, I mean, I, I see Jesus Christ as like a free speech revolutionary, like yeah. that's the part of Jesus that I'm most interested in. Like he's this guy who says a bunch of crazy stuff and like really profound, crazy stuff. And he does it 
and he says it militantly and he flips over the tables of the money changers and like he, he's a revolutionary and they kill him for it. Like that's pretty crazy, right? It's like, uh, I like that aspect of him. The, that's the thing I like about Christ the most. Uh, that's like what most resonates with me and my temperament and my personality. Cause, and so this is very, very hard because in my, in my view, I do think Christianity is true. I do want to be more Christ-like in my life. But to me, what that really means is like kind of being a crazy person and, and, uh, in, in a way that in a way that you believe in and that and that does kind of testify to the glory of God. But whenever I try to do that, it usually like upsets other people. <laughs> so, um, you know, like this is this is my conundrum, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know. If that, I, I mean, I told you about 14 year old Marin writing on the whiteboards at school like Jesus rocks, you know, hint, hint, <laughs> everyone, you know, my secular friends. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like I if think, I, if I think, real quick, sorry, just no. to add, um, like think just thinking about last night in the clubhouse chat, like if I really actualized my sincere vision of what it means to be Christ-like to, to like a, a maximum degree, I probably would have pissed you off and, and reasonably, reasonably so, because the way it would actually manifest is like, he's just being like kind of crazy and arrogant and a bit of an asshole, like is how it would come off, I think, um, mm. And maybe rightfully so. Like maybe that is actually the right the right diagnosis because I mean that's how Jesus and his disciples kind of were, right? They were like they they were like absolute and categorical and loving, yes, but also like uncompromising and quite annoying to like normal people in power, right? So I I, like I don't have a solution for this. This more. is why I don't I don't like go full throttle on my my sense of like the free speech revolutionary that Jesus Christ was. I don't like f go full throttle trying to do my own version of that. Although I guess I do in my own way on, on like my other work or whatever, but for this podcast where I'm supposed to be, you know, chatting for God and, and dedicating, you know, the conversation to God, it's hard to access my real vision of that in, in part because of, you know, respect for other people and stakeholders and people listening and expectations and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's like my big conundrum and I, I have no idea how to solve that. No, I love, I love getting, I love digging through this. I think it's important. I also think that we should study Christ more on the ground because I think right. it would be really interesting to see our respective interpretations of Christ because we have to acknowledge that we're going to bring ourselves into those interpretations. And there are a lot of beliefs that we've hold for whatever reason, like you're very anti-institutional in general. And I actually think that there are really interesting arguments you're saying, oh, other Christian produced content and traditional pastors, et cetera, don't sit well. It doesn't resonate with me. There are probably a lot of people who feel that way. And some of that is probably due to how incredibly hierarchical that kind of pastoral training process has been and what it has meant in the doctrine of that persona is, is maybe quite specific. And I think there's something real to be said for trying to break that. Uh, Joseph Smith <laughs> basically created a new religion because he didn't like the Methodism that he was raised with because when his brother died and hadn't accepted Christ, he was meant to go to hell, right? And I think, and that that's that's sort of outside of the system, a, a way of sort of rebuilding rebuilding something and mobilizing something that you think is more true. I don't think you seem to be pursuing Joseph Smith cult polyamorous I know status. but what if I did I think that I could I absolutely have it within me to be that 
kind of ambitious itinerant preacher. I, I seriously know for a fact that I could do it and I could succeed. And I, I sometimes think about it. Like I sometimes think like if I really believe in God and I really think there are big problems with the world that are urgent uh, that a kind of Christian uh, spirit should be solving. Sometimes I do think, am I, am I, am I selling God short by not going all in and becoming like a crazed uh, power hungry kind of upstart Joel Austin type? Uh, because I probably could do it. And I, and if I could, then why am I not? Yeah. I, I think listening to you and this is something that will take more time to dissect, but you have a very specific notion of the power hungry categorical, et cetera, persona that I'm not sure is what I think Christ-likeness looks like. While there is a tremendous willingness to be anti-authority, anti-authority and a necessity of that. I also think we see just a profound humility in Christ's character. And I think where that isn't the anchor, I wouldn't personally for myself, that's how I build trust with whether or not I'm doing something for God or for myself and for my own ego and conception of what would be fun and like using God as an excuse, if that makes sense. No, that's nice. That that sounds very similar to what you said before about being small and that yeah. being the key criterion. Are you, is that essentially the same thing you're saying or, is, or are you adding a different, is that something different you're saying? No, now? it is. It is very, it is very similar. And we've talked before a bit about works in the world and the way that people should show up in the world as a litmus for their faith. And I do think that we want to ask ourselves how much we're living against those expectations. Like what should the fruit of my showing up in a Christ-like way mean? You know, what what would that look like? And you're and you're speculating about what that what that might look like. But I wouldn't necessarily go with I don't want to discourage you from going with your gut with it, but there's a level at which I think I don't think that Christ felt arrogant for people who were not essentially jealous, right? So I'm thinking of the Moses story. The thing that's really interesting about Moses is that Moses prayed three times a day. Moses was a very consistent person in his pursuit of his relationship with God. And he was found to be essentially faultless by the majority of people he interacted with, the exception being people who were jealous of him and who condemned him and tricked the king into sending him to the lion's den in the first place. And I think I don't I don't think we need I don't think we should presume that we will be found arrogant even with questions about persecution. We were talking a little bit about persecution last night and I think there's something yes we should expect to be persecuted at some level it's just part and parcel of having a relationship with God is that the much of the world won't understand it. And I think that when we're taught to expect persecution we find it where it doesn't exist and it hardens us. And it makes us aggressive. It makes us militant. It makes us believe that that is the disposition which is called for by the world as relates to us. And I don't think that that's necessarily true or good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Persecution complexes just become kind of paranoiac and unhelpful for sure. And I think, you know, but I, think I do want to play with this for what it's worth. Like, I think it's I think it's perfectly healthy and interesting to the degree this can be a little container for asking these questions, like where you would alternatively say something more aggressive 
I think I think we should I think we should try and see like what that what that is like genuinely. Right. I can be aggressive too for what it's worth. And I should also just say, like, I understand some of what you're saying. I I have always in myself tried to balance the kind of rationalist and the romantic. And there's like a big revolutionary streak to like who I can be and people who know me know that about me. Right. And there is my biggest, my biggest fear, like my big deep fear is that I'm accidentally going to become a like Karl Marxian character who, you know, believes that I'm putting all this good, out in the world and who's really endeavoring to do so, but who is actually essentially condemned from his childhood because he was raised Jewish in a very, you know, racist community of people who did, who were prejudiced against him and his family. And he turned that into all kinds of weird emotional complexes that turned into the communist manifesto, which is beautiful and completely impractical and which then killed millions of people, which was not his intent. So gotcha. I, get, I get that. Like none of these things are unfamiliar to my psyche. And Right. And so I've, I've thought a lot, a lot about them uh, and, and come to like, I don't presume to be at some final place with, with any of it right now, but certainly um, I think I've, I've at least made some like progress for myself in, in my understanding. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. You know, I sometimes think that because m modern social conditions are so insanely different than the social conditions that Jesus Christ was in that I sometimes think that to truly be Christ-like, in modern civilization would almost require what we would have to think of or call a kind of performance artist because mm -hmm. it's so like to truly be Christ-like in today's world, you're just going to be like this, like crazy anachronistic, uh, like agent that doesn't really like make sense or it doesn't really fit into anything. Like that's sometimes what I think. And that if, if to therefore do that successfully in modern circumstances, you might mm -hmm. as well kind of just be aware of this in advance and more or less think and talk and act and style your life and 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 conduct your projects basically like a perform like a performance artist would where you kind of plan out situations and scenarios where you're going to do something and you kind of ham it up in a way that that's authentic but nonetheless uh you know highly performative and at the very least people could then be like oh okay this guy's doing something weird uh, but at least he's trying it, it's it's like an art project like that i think that's like the best you could get in terms of making people like tolerate it um or, or even just like uh comprehend it mm -hmm. i would be really scared of the performance idea how would you hold or reconcile those things in a continuous way that seems hard well, no, I just mean like a deep performance artist type of project where it's like your whole life is the performance art, mm -hmm, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but you have a little bit of self-awareness that, you know, so in your own mind, you can think, you know, I'm just making my life a work of art, which a lot of the great artists, you know, essentially thought that way anyway. Uh, you just kind of rep, you just kind of understand and expect that people will see it as ridiculous, but, and you use the kind of performance art angle as just a little bit of a, uh, a a way of letting the normies letting the normies process it. Yeah, for what this is also something that I've considered. So I don't mean to eschew the value of performance art in the in the sense of you really want to be acting in service of something, and you need to find the conditions, the kind of a priori condition that lets you behave in a way that you find to be the most truthful, and that. I think art can be a context in which 
in which we can actually live in more truthful ways at some level than we can if we don't have that idea totally. or, uh, or or stamp. So I, I get that. I also, I wonder, so, so I'll also say, I think this is going to be different for different people at some level, right? The thing, the thing which is the most truthful to you and your relationship with God and how you feel called to live it is, is going to be different than it is, is for others. I think, I think, and I, I would go so far as to say, I think that that's actually a good explanation of why, like, there's not a backwards reasoning arithmetic that can be done on the world that says the the rational way to bring visibility to God is by making my life a performance art piece and being like a bullet, you know, a belligerent radical. And God doesn't actually call for us to do that kind of reasoning. I think, I think that there's something about that direction, which is, which feels important where either we can look at the world and say, well, the world is so completely messed up that in order to live in a godlike way, working backwards from what the world is, I guess I end up being a performance artist, this artist that's belligerent and arrogant and all of these things. But if you worked actually from like your own center and your relationship with God in the very intimate personal sense and you work forward instead, it might take you to a different outcome. Sure. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I just don't Maybe have not. the courage for that. <laughs> To start, to start at the locus, like the individual locus. You're also, I mean, you've been raised Catholic, Justin. You're totally off the hook for all this stuff, you know. <laughs> no. no, I mean, when you say start with, start with like the locus inside of yourself, I think that kind of terrifies me because that's where I feel like I would just unleash uncontainable ego, basically. Like, because, mm. because trust me, I could find that locus inside of myself. And, and if like, if that's like the engine of everything is inside of myself, then the world is fucked because nothing's going to stop me then. Like there's no, there's no, you know what I mean? It's like. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I the, do know the, what you're saying, and I think this is 100% the work that I would encourage you to do. Having having and you know endeavoring to do it myself, and having a lot of horrors. Like when I talk about the Marx <laughs> construct or whatever, I'm not I'm not like one day I thought of it and then I put it down and I never thought of it again. It's like a deep sense of my own badness, like a profound profound shame and understanding that were I to ever create anything, every tentacle of it, which would enlarge across everyone I ever interacted with in the world would be hurt by it because I'm bad. So like, that's not a good place to start. And there, you know, just so many, so many of these kinds of visualizations and understandings of, of myself as, as not a being essentially untrustworthy in that, in that way. And I, I have also found that the only the 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 most profound experiences I've had of God and being with God and being genuinely held by God have been from that from that place where I have had to. So this is this is what grace is. This is what's so beautiful about grace, right? Is you were chosen by grace to have all of these experiences in spite of all of your inadequacy and sinfulnesses, and you're choosing to fall and your only real task is to accept the grace that God is offering that you are saved and that you should proceed to the best of your ability in that faith and with his spirit. And the hardest thing to do, I think, is actually accept the grace, which has already been given to us, which is being like openly, openly offered. And that grace does cover if you can accept it, but that makes you very small. And and I know it's really hard to figure out how to do that, but it's basically like, don't even presume you know, don't even presume that your ego is big. Like there's some, there's some level of like, uh, 
I know, I already know you, you know, I know every, every single piece of, if, if you're God, right? Like you are known in every fiber of your being by God and loved by God in every fiber of your being and, and chosen and called. And th there's a, there's, if you like, if you can work through that shame and, and accept the grace that God is trying to offer, like that's, that's the whole bit. I feel like, I don't know. See, I love what you're saying. It sounds so beautiful. And on, on some level, I completely agree and it makes sense, but on another level, it, it, it feels like it doesn't really help or solve the problem, which is like, okay, so you've received God's grace and you're mm -hmm. thankful for that. But then what do you do? You know, it's like, that's, that's the problem. Well, so it's like it for the, for like the podcast, for instance. Okay. So you accept God's grace and then you feel called to share, share the good news with the world in your own, in your own way. It, what do you do? How do you do that? What are the constraints? What are the, what are, what are the, what are the rules for doing that well or, or correctly? And like, just receiving saying saying you've received God's grace and that's all there is to it doesn't doesn't help with any of the hard problems about how to how to how to proceed. I think that accepting God's grace is a continuous stance which says I am essentially nothing. I have done nothing. I've earned nothing. I can do nothing. And just over and over and over and like coming coming to a real lived understanding of that. Okay, I like this. I like this. I like, I really do like this. And this is kind of like the ethic that I had in mind when I named this podcast chat for God is, mm -hmm. is precisely that. It's like, you don't have to do much. Like there's not, there's not much to do. You just show up kind of and, and live and, and chill. And like, that's, that's God-like in a way. So I, I completely, I'm on this vibe with you, but then I'm like, if, what if we just showed up to every podcast, no prep, no plans, no work went into it, no goal to like make it good for listeners. And like Marin and I, uh, you and I, we just show up every podcast and we're just like chilling in God's grace, like literally nothing else. Like, wouldn't it be boring for people? And wouldn't it be kind of like underwhelming? And 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 wouldn't we be failing to yeah. do the best that we could? So I don't think God's grace is chill. <laughs> okay. Personally, I feel like it's a it's a battle at some level. Like the person for whom God's grace is chill is the Buddha. You know, <laughs> like they are fully enlightened creatures. Okay, so when you when you are feeling God's grace, how mm. does it manifest for you behaviorally? Like what what I'm does it look sobbing. like? Like sobbing? just completely sobbing. Yeah. One hundred percent like you know, full of the, an understanding of how far away I am from from any understanding and just a gratitude to be able to come to God in any moment in my, in my life, you know, to like live, live that it's incredibly, incredibly profoundly humbling That's more beautiful. than anything. You can't create an experience like that. There's like literally nothing you can do to. That's beautiful. Well, yeah. you know, when I often, very often for me, when I'm talking, even with, just with friends or doing simple things, um, in a, in particular happy, joyful moments, I will shed a few tears. I just have like very, uh, mm -hmm. liberal tear ducts, I, I think. And <laughs> you, I, in a way that, you could interpret that as, as a moment of God's grace entering me. Yeah. And so maybe for this podcast, we should just show up with no notes and just focus on crying the whole time together. <laughs> that could be great. Like with that, but according to you, that would actually be like pretty, pretty holy. Yeah. It seems like we need to say crying for God instead of chatting for God. Like that, we got that, to stay on track. Chatting is cool. intellectual. It's too, it's too, uh, high, high headed. All right, folks, so we're going to make this one a relatively short one since Marin has a hard stop. But if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and click the bell so you get notifications and you can come hang out with us, come hang out with us live whenever we go live. And uh, please, if you haven't already, uh, I'd really encourage you to subscribe to the podcast 
on your phone or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. As you heard at the beginning of this show today, Marin is on board. We're doing this. We're sticking with it. So um, Chat Forgot is a thing. We are back, baby. So get the get the podcast on your phone. And please, if you like the show, leave a review. You know, if you don't like the show, maybe you don't need to leave a review. You still can, but please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. We're trying to grow this podcast uh, because Marin has now convinced me it's not evil to want to do that. And yeah, I think... Marin, any any parting words for, for the audience? I mean, frankly, I think you and I should really think about uh, building a cult, reli- new religion, because I think like you and I, I think we could do it. I think we could turn this podcast into like a massive alternative church, make it like a hipster, urban kind of, uh, you know, liberal, liberal church and get like a ton of a ton of like rich people, powerful people, celebrities. I, I honestly think, OK, I don't think we should do this, but I, th- I honestly think if you and I tried to, we could. And that's kind of cool. You know. And I don't think we're going to try to. You have, you don't feel any, do you feel any bit inside of you sli- even slightly to want to do that? Totally. It would be so fun and awesome. <laughs> and I think I just, I just want to stay. It's not that I, it's not that I want to stay small. I'm, I'm very ambitious. I'm, we've spoken about this before. I care about what happens in the world. I believe that we're in the world for a reason. And I think there's a lot of work that could be done that should be done that is for God's glory. And I think that the stance of the people in that space is the most important thing. And I think that if I was pursuing creating a cult, (laughs) it would be the wrong foot to begin with, if that makes sense. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I feel the same compunctions in myself, which is why we will, we will, we will unfortunately never build the (laughs) massive worldwide cult slash alternative Christian denomination that probably you and I could very well do if we wanted to, but unfortunately we, we will, we will very likely never do that uh, for our own personal reasons that we, that we believe in. So, but I do want to say before, before we uh, cut for this is I, I appreciate your bringing into the space, the conversation about what it means to try to have conversations for God, as opposed to conversations whereby God makes us look good. Uh, and I think that that's a really important thing to continue to bring into the space. And I'm excited to talk more about this because I do think this is a struggle. This is an act of struggle for everyone who who's endeavoring to live in a in a Christ-like way or in an aligned way or to really do acts of service that are going to sacrifices which are worthy of God, which is an important thing that we spoke mm. a little bit about before. You know what else also I'm thinking real quick is like to build a podcast. Usually when podcasts like really grow, the follow it, the followers or the listeners, you know, people in our audience who, who like what we're doing, do the podcast hosts and the listeners do kind of evolve into something of a slightly moderately cult like phenomenon. And so I think we also should think about that a little bit because, you know, we don't want to cult. We're not starting an alternative church, none of that stuff, but we do want to like create a cohesive energized you know uh community so we should we need to think about that like maybe you know uh, how you do that i'm not sure but we don't want to sell ourselves short because l- listen folks if you're out there listening and you and you're, you like what we're doing you know we're slightly open to having some kind of you know intense community of of, bon- of bonding of some 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 degree that maybe kind of verges on being a cult but is not a cult uh maybe we'll call it like the the we'll need a term for that but something we need to think about because if we're too anti you know if, if we're too anti-cult such that we are very averse to any type of like intensive 
group camaraderie that has got involved, then we're going to hurt the podcast and the future of our project and of our listeners who have put faith in us, you know? So we need to, we need to also kind of think about some happy, we need to think about that, I think. Yeah. Well, this is part of why I liked Clubhouse. So just as a final plug for future, future of Clubhouse, I am really curious how you guys think and feel. I was very floored by much of the contribution of our audience members. I don't think Justin and I are actually uniquely qualified <laughs> to speak about any of these subjects. We're just holding space and maybe we're disciplined enough to to keep doing that. But I really love your point about including other people in that thinking. And I think we should try to create more such spaces. Right. So if anyone wants to uh, come on one of the Clubhouse chats that we're doing for Chat for God, uh, just if you don't have an invitation to Clubhouse, just hit me up in my DMs on Twitter or email me and I'll hook you up. And yeah, we'll keep doing that. That was fun. So people listening to the podcast, you should definitely come out uh, to the Clubhouse chats because because there are really smart people, as Marin was just saying, uh, who, who were like dropping real knowledge bombs. It was it was pretty awesome, honestly. You know what I also just thought real quick um, is, Marin, I think you just for the first time like addressed our audience in the, in like the second part. Like I, I think in the five episodes, you've never yet once until now kind really? of like assumed the voice of like talking to our audience as if they're kind of in the room. So that's like a milestone. And and that's really, cause that's really good because you should be. And, and you know, like we're all in a room with a bunch of people, whether it feels like that or not. And I, maybe this is a sign that you're like stepping up to ownership of the podcast that you're like addressing the audience. I, I'm happy to address the audience. I, you should definitely, I feel yeah. a real sense of kinship with the audience. I really care about how people are feeling. So and and, and they care about you. They 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 want your they want your leadership. They want oh, your stewardship. We shall see. Stewardship feels more appropriate to me. <laughs> All right. I know you have a hard stop. You have another meeting to get to. So thanks for coming on, Marin. Nice talking with you. And I'm really glad we're gonna keep doing this. Same. Very excited. All right. Bye, bye everybody. Bye, Marin.